Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I am joined by entrepreneur, author and speaker, Raphael Sofaluk. We hear from Raphael about his approach to work and life as a CEO, as an entrepreneur and the incredible work that he is doing for black professionals in the UK. I recently connected with Raphael online and I really enjoyed listening to Twice as Hard, the book which is he co-wrote with his wife that was published last year. So I was really happy when he kindly accepted my invitation to come and be a guest on the podcast. It's a great conversation. So let's dive in to this week's episode with Raphael Sofaluk. Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week, I speak to a variety of guests, from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, changemakers and innovators, to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by, and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire, so I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Raphael Sofaluk, welcome to the Power Hour podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Adrian. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I, for just a little bit of context, I suppose, before we dive in, because I've got so many things to talk to you about today. You are the founder and CEO of UK Black Business Show and UK Black Business Week. You're an entrepreneur, a speaker, an author, and an advocate of diversity and inclusion. So, I'd love it if you could, I guess, tell us a little bit about your journey so far and what led you to creating the UK Black Business Show. Yeah, sure. Um, so I launched the UK Black Business Show in 2017 and has since become the biggest business show in the UK and Europe for black business owners and professionals. So really, I just wanted to really just kind of find a space for black entrepreneurs and professionals to network. At that time, there wasn't any event um, that I could go to where I could network with black entrepreneurs and professionals on a large scale. And certainly a lot of the events that I did go to, whether it was the speaker panels, um, the audience attending, the exhibitors, they all like black representation and just mm-hmm. diversity in general. Um, so I launched it in 2017 and it's pretty much doubled in size each year. So we went from a space with 25 stands and 500 attendees in 2017 um, to our last one day show um, last year. It had just over 4,000 attendees. Um, and 200 exhibitors um, and now it's a part of a, a really whole exciting week of events for black entrepreneurs professionals and allies of the black community um, as well as that um, as mentioned I'm an entrepreneur um, so we've also launched a number of different events so the black tech achievement awards which is actually taking place next month um, with some of the biggest sponsors like jp morgan and yeah, over the last few years, we've really just been working with some of the biggest companies to help them in terms of, you know, their recruitment, their ret- retention and the attraction as well. Um, Orpha, my author, co-author is Twice as Hard, um, which I published alongside my wife, um, which is available in the UK and US, featuring interviews with people like uh, Matthew Knowles, Beyonce's dad, to Trevor Nelson, to Munya, et cetera. Um, so yeah, that's me briefly. Yeah, well, it's always hard to do, you know, a brief overview or summary, but I think it's important <laughs> to, for people, you know, for people listening who are saying, okay, there's a lot of things we want to talk about today. And I think it's nice for people to understand a little bit of, I guess, yeah, all the hats that we all wear and, and, and how these pieces of a jigsaw, I suppose, all fit together. So 
I want to talk about the book Twice as Hard. You mentioned that the book uh, was published last year and you know, it's, it's a book for black entrepreneurs and professionals in the working world with contributions from over 40 leading professionals. And this book is, you know, it's described as a must buy for both black professionals and anyone who's seeking to provide better support. So allies and people who want to understand the struggle of their black colleagues and peers. And to be honest, I listened to the book on Audible and I straight away, as I was listening, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to recommend this book to this person and this person and this person. And it's interesting because I don't know if you found this, but often I feel like people will see a book like Twice as Hard, or maybe they'll hear this conversation initially and think, oh, okay, this is a black book. This is for black people, or this conversation's for black people, or, you know, with previous guests that I've had, I know people have said, oh, okay, that, that episode was amazing because it was speaking to black people. But actually I felt like so much of what I was hearing with him when I was listening to the book applies to, yeah. uh, you know, to non-black people, to people who are trying to understand, especially if they're working in, you know, organizations, startups, if they work in HR, if they have a role to play within leadership, I think it's such a, it was such a fantastic book for white leaders to to read as well. So just wanted to, to share that because I've, as I said, really enjoyed it. And I really hope people, yeah, will kind of see that it's a, there's two sides, you know, and it's, it's really important for people to not exclude these kind of conversations or work thinking, oh, it's not for me. So let's get into firstly the title, Twice As Hard. Let's, I'd love to start there. What, why did you, what, I suppose, what's the sentiment of that title? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, thanks thank for the, um, the the intro as well on, on the book. Glad you're really kind of enjoying it. Um, and re thanks for recommending it. Um, I mean, the title, I, I feel like it's something, Adrian, that's been drilled into, you know, black professionals from a young age. You know, that, that phrase, twice as hard. Um, you know, it's that notion that we have to, you know, work, you know, twice as hard to achieve uh, maybe the same success as, you know, some of our white counterparts. Um, and when you look at, you know, th there was actually a recent report in the um, Independent that said, you know, black professionals were twice as likely to be turned down for a pay rise. Um, so, you know, as well as the title, you know, there's, there's stats and, and, and figures that kind of show that it is harder for black entrepreneurs and professionals when you look at black entrepreneurs, um, access to finance, you know, we, we know black entrepreneurs struggle to, to raise capital as well in, in comparison to, you know, their white counterparts. So something we wanted to address with the book, you know, was a phrase which um, everyone's familiar with, but what we really wanted to do is speak to 40 black entrepreneurs and professionals in the UK and US and also allies as well, and ask these black entrepreneurs and professionals, you know, is it really twice as hard? Mm. So asking them, you know, what challenges they faced um, growing up um, and actually how they over, overcame this as well. So not just highlighting the, the, the challenges, but getting practical advice on, you know, how they could overcome this. And, and, and for me, this is, a, you know, this is a book that, you know, I wish I had when I started my career. I wish I was able to read. Um, and you, you, you mentioned, you know, about the allies as well. You know, this was a book that we, we, we really wanted allies to read and understand, you know, some of the struggles that black entrepreneurs and professionals were going through, I think, you know, after the, um, the the sad killing of George Floyd in 2020, it was almost as if, you know, like the world kind of woke up to racism um, mm -hmm. in, in, in a strange way. Um, so, you know, a lot more people are, you know, wanting to have these conversations, you know, these conversations weren't had at the workplace before. So it's, it's, it's good to hear people are, you know, having these conversations, but we really wanted to, you know, 
um, make an impact with the title and, you know, not shy away from things as well. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a really interesting title. And of course, I fully understand and fully appreciate the sentiment of this as someone who's often felt that, you know, you touch on this actually in the first chapter of the book, but feeling that you have to prove or, or should I say disprove people's initial opinions or stereotypes or expectations of you because of the way you look. So, for example, because I am a black woman or because I have Afro hair and, you know, the kind of assumptions or commentary or just, yeah, expectations that people have their own biases that are there before you even speak or before you even have an opportunity to to showcase your work and so I really like that you said it's not just about highlighting okay the differences and the injustices and you know kind of saying okay it's going to be twice as hard here's the stats you know there's some again some incredible stats in the book which to some people they you know they say they're shocking but they are what they are and you know about the percentage of non-white people in leadership roles in the UK, you know, raising capital. And so what I really like is this actionable, practical advice, because as you said, if it's going to be twice as hard, then how, you know, kind of accepting that, it's not to say that it should be and that we should say, oh, okay, that's fine. But in the meantime, these are things, you know, accepting that, okay, if it's going to be twice as hard, what am I going to do, you know, from an individual perspective, what can I do to put myself in the best position, in the best, uh, I guess, environment? How can I equip myself with as much as possible to be able to pursue what I want to pursue, to achieve my goals, in spite of the fact that it is going to be harder? Yeah, Um, and just to, exactly, and I think you mentioned about kind of like your Afro hair, I love your Afro hair, by the way, Um, (laughs) and it's something which, you know, my wife touches on in the book um, about, you know, having to think about, you know, when she's changing her hair, you know, a lot of the, the black women we interviewed in the book, they, they talk about, you know, people saying, oh, you look smarter when you, your hair is not, you know, in the Afro, etc. So for us as well, it was important um, for me to also do this book with, with, with my wife because, the challenges that a black man goes through at work is completely different to the challenges a black woman goes through. Not only that you're black, but you're also a woman as well. And there's challenges associated with your gender. Um, So yeah, there was so much we wanted to unpack in in, in that book, not only kind of that, the the race, but also that intersectionality with the gender as well. Yeah, well, we've done a fantastic job of both. And so I'd love to, I guess, now pivot a little bit onto you specifically, Raphael, and and kind of your personal approach, because as an entrepreneur and in the role of CEO, you know, we see, I think, the the role and the word CEO and people want to have that title and it's kind of romanticized. But I think you know, although what you've created, of course, is incredible, and it appears to just be continuously scaling, you're part of an incredibly powerful network. And it's just brilliant to see that success. But I'm sure that a lot of people looking in now only see that percentage, they only see, you know, the success, they don't really know probably all of the things that it takes to get there, especially in the complex role of a CEO, where you're having to constantly make strategic decisions, you know, raising investment, hiring, uh, you know, the speed at which you grow, all of those things and as a black man so I'd love to hear from you yeah more personal I suppose what are some challenges that you have had to endure and how have you attempted to overcome them it's so funny like I have this discussion a a lot about you know the how you know being an entrepreneur is so kind of glamorized and uh, and a CEO and actually it's a lot of hard work and um, I think it's, you know, around 42% of SMEs survive past the first five years 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the average UK startup spends around 20, 22K in their first year. Um, and, and probably maybe that influenced how I started up. So I bootstrapped um, when I created the UK Black Business Show. So I didn't get any funding when I started up um, because I knew there was challenges in getting finance. Um, I didn't want to almost rely on anyone to start my dream. Um, mm-hmm. So with the UK Black Business Show, we used all of the money from the stands, from the ticket sales. We invested that back into the show. Um, each year, we used that to make the show bigger and better. Um, now, of course, we've got you know some of the biggest sponsors in the world, like Amex, JP Morgan, HSBC, Barclays, which helps us even more. But you know, we created a model in which we had to the the, the show was generating enough to take care of itself. Um, so you know. That's just one um, issue that we had to overcome um, in terms of, you know, finance, creating the show. Long hours, I think you'll, you'll probably be familiar with, Adrian. You know, mm-hmm. it's like our days doesn't finish at 5.30 p.m. You know, it's, it's late hours, it's long nights. I think having a full-time team now has helped a bit, actually. Well, a lot. Um, because, you know, I'm able to kind of spread that workload. I'm not doing as much, I, I, I say I'm not doing as much, but I, I feel like I'm thinking a lot more and still doing a lot, even though I've passed a lot of things down. Those are some of the some of the challenges. I mean, then hiring, that was a problem which I didn't have at the beginning, you know, how do you hire the right people? How do you hire people who are in line with your mission, your goal, etc.? cetera? So those, those are the things that, I've had to kind of deal with, um, and I think I'm, yeah, getting there. Um, mm. But yeah, it's all kind of a steady process. Yeah, and I think long hours, you know, you're right. I definitely can relate to that. But I think a lot of people now have had, they've had, whether it's due to the pandemic, whether it's due to hybrid working, whether it's due to, uh, you know, change in, I think the just the expectation of people's availability and online. I've talked about this quite a lot in the last few months on this podcast. This idea that the kind of blend between our work and our life has become so mm. blurred that actually people are working more than ever. Like apparently there's a lot of stats to support this as well, especially from from millennials around the fact that we're working more than we ever, ever have. So how yeah, I guess how do you continue to to know, okay, how much to work to put in? How do you have, I guess, um time for your well-being time to you know with your wife like how do you do you have any kind of hard lines around that or do you just feel like at the moment i'm the ceo i'm building and i'm scaling and this is the time for work and growth and that hopefully that time for balance will be later yeah you know what we we it was really important actually for us to touch about this in the book as well so we've got a whole chapter on mental health mm-hmm. um and we thought it was really important not only for professionals but also as an entrepreneur um, because of the long hours you do, a lot of the strain, how do you get that work-life balance as well? And I completely agree. So I speak to some of our friends who are working in companies and they're like, because you're, they're just working from home, it's so easy for them to just start from nine, not even take a lunch break as well. Um, not taking lunch breaks, but even work till like 8 p.m. or 10 p.m. at night um, because there's no kind of separation and they're not leaving the office, they're not going home, they're no, not traveling, they're not going for lunch. So for me, I think it's important 100% to kind of set boundaries. Um, one thing that I picked up during the pandemic was like running outside, um, yeah. which I just, I, I love it now. And I used to be someone who used to be like, you know, I hate, I never want to run outside. I just only love running on the treadmill. 
now I have to run outside. Now running is actually a part of almost my sanity to keep me, you know, just, just it's my time to kind of get away, listen to music, run while keeping healthy. I think it's fantastic. Um, mm. But also, you know, I've got two little ones as well. So I've got to spend time with my little ones as well as my wife. So it's important to put those boundaries and also things I have to decline as well. I'm sure like yourself, you know, you probably get a lot of opportunities to go here, to go there, speaking opportunities. But it's about also thinking, you know, what can you actually do? What can you say yes to? What can you say no to this time to kind of make sure that you're managing your diary correctly? Yeah, that's a real tough one, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, I think when you have children, you know, as you do and as I do, I think sometimes that, you know, the additive thing about that is it forces you almost to have those t- the hard lines. Mm. Whereas I think for people without children, maybe I don't want to categorize everyone, but I think it can be incredibly difficult to say no because you feel like either it's, you know, yeah, these opportunities are, are great and maybe you have this fear that, that, you know, you've got to, it's like now or never, you know, like you've got to take every opportunity and yeah. you've got to keep going and going and going. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of people find themselves eventually starting to feel resentment, starting to feel burnt out because it is hard to say no to opportunities. So mm. yeah, I hope people will hear that and think everyone has to do it. No matter what stage you are, no matter how um, successful or how, whether you're at the start, it is so, so important to realize that when you say no to something, for example, uh, an opportunity to go and give your time or energy to something, you're also saying yes to something else. Mm. So next up, Big topic. You you mentioned earlier on about the Black Lives Matter movement and how it peaked following the unlawful death of George Floyd. I think as the Black Lives Matter movement surged, it definitely created a, a collective opportunity for us all for learning, for conversation. But for many people, you know, it was a long overdue realization about systemic racism, injustice, bias. And, you know, it's been almost two years now, which I can't believe, but it's been almost two years. And a lot of talk from traditional media, big brands, you know, organizations, even just Instagram, social media, the black square, there's all these things about change and talk about change. But two years on, I'd be really interested to hear from you, Raphael, as to how you see this playing out in, in everyday life, I suppose, because I'm starting to see... I think the conversation being diluted and being a little bit dismissed as kind of woke culture or identity politics, it's kind of like, oh, you know, we're still talking about that. Oh, you know, oh, there's there's no black representation on this and we're calling it out and almost being met with a little bit of kind of, oh, are we still talking about that? So I'm not sure if that's your experience or whether that's just mine in the last few months, but yeah, I'd be keen to hear from you. How do you feel like it has changed uh, in the last two years? Yeah, sure. So um, it, it was funny because we um, we were talking about our book in 2019. Um, so we were speaking with our book about our publishing in 2019, and it kind of it it was kind of good timing, as in we, we announced the book in 2020, but we we had it was well kind of on the agenda. We were speaking to a number of publishers who were interested in it, um, and for me that I, I was pleased because I knew it wasn't because kind of what was going on. That's why they, we, we had that book deal. But, you know, the time obviously um, helped in terms of people wanted to hear more about it. You know, I've spoken to a number of people who've said similar things that you've said, you know, over the last few months, you know, companies and people are almost kind of forgetting about, you know, their pledges, their commitments. Mm-hmm. And there were huge pledges. There were millions pledged, if you, even if you check online, there's millions being pledged by some of the biggest companies over the next three or four years 
um, to make sure that, you know, you know, black professionals on entrepreneurs are on a, you know, the, 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 the same, the same level. Um, but for me, you know, nothing changes with our allies. Um, and actually it's probably the most critical part of the conversation around diversity and inclusion. Um, you know, allies are, you know, critical to making a difference. You know, they are at the senior positions. Um, and I think it's important for allies to also know, you know, the difference between, you mentioned it, you know, that performative allyship um, and, and what allyship really is, you know, so not just posting a black square and, you know, thinking um, that's enough, you know, how are you going to support black entrepreneurs and professionals all year round? Um, so I think definitely, you know, it's important for, you know, people like ourselves to, to carry on the momentum. Um, um, I read something and I, I spoke about this in the book about, you know, the illusion of inclusion um, mm. that, you know, because of like the prominent rise of black figures in the UK and US, people like, you know, Lewis Hamilton to John Baega to people like Oprah Winfrey. Um, there's that illusion that black professionals and entrepreneurs are doing fantastic in different industries when in fact they're one of, you know, like one, but they're absolutely killing it in their industry. You know, like Lewis Hamilton, he's probably the only black racer, but he's absolutely smashing it. Um, mm. So yeah, it, it's important for us to keep this conversation going. Um, and, you know, podcasts like this do a great job in doing that. Yeah, I think keeping it going, definitely. And as you said, allyship, people realizing that actually they have a real part to play and feeling empowered to do so. You know, I think a lot of people that I work with anyway, two years ago, they said, wow, you know, this is a whole new world for me, but I am reading books. I'm, you know, listening to podcasts. I'm kind of educating myself and I want to do this work. And, you know, there was no shame in acknowledging that they were like, you know, I didn't, see this before you know I was blind to it I lived in white privilege and I didn't recognize it but yeah. it is it is difficult when you know people have of course lots of things in their you know on their own agenda in their own lives whether it's their company whether it's you know it's almost that thing of priority and it always feels like you know what it it's not going to be the top priority right now but when we will get to it we'll get to it we'll get to it and it's it's I feel like yeah as, yeah. as, as it's been two years I really do hope that people will continue to bring this uh, you know put this on their agenda as being a priority and really yeah I guess like you said the allies people of power people of influence saying okay let's mm -hmm. make this it, this is important and let's make sure it remains so definitely so the next thing that I'd love to talk to you about Raphael is how this is going to I guess impact the future of work and I'm, you know if you had a crystal ball that would be great right now because I think a lot of people are looking ahead and speculating about you know how this post-pandemic world, what that looks like for professionals. So are we all going to work from home forever? Are we going to go back to the office? You know, this digital first remote working and how is that going to benefit us? And also, you know, what are the, the downsides of that? So I guess, do you think that this is going to have an impact on diversity and inclusion for professionals, specifically within the corporate world? How do you see this playing out over the next year or two? Fab, yeah, it's a fantastic question. Um, li little plug because I'm actually speaking for um, Financial Times on a panel called The Future of Work. So it was great to see, um, it was great to hear this question. Um, and I mean, in terms of diversity and inclusion, you know, and kind of the future of work, you know, today I'm in the office. We, we do two days in the office. We've got the office for the whole week. I feel, and I think the team feel, it's important for collaboration to at least kind of meet up 
once or twice a week. I think now, if you're not, if you're an employer that's expecting, you know, staff to be in five days, you, you could be looked at a bit sideways, um, <laughs> just because the new normal is, you know, to kind of give that kind of grace period. I think before it was almost looked at as if, you know, it was a perk to work from from home, like, you know, as in, you know, you could now be trusted. But what the pandemic has shown is that, you know, we can work from home as effective as we would do in the office, if not even harder, actually. Mm. Um, but then when we draw, kind of go back to like diversity and inclusion, you know, things like hiring, how do you start to make, you know, people feel included um, when they're joining from home? It's, it's a really tough one. And, you know, some of the struggles that black professionals already go through at work, it, does that kind of get bigger when, you know, they're not able to be in the office, not able to speak to people? You know, as I spoke about in the book, you know, sometimes when I used to work in other jobs and, you know, being a minority, I used to walk around the office and you do that nod, that, you know, that nod when you see another black person in the <laughs> office. Like, you don't know them, but you just, you just do the nods yeah, yeah. almost like, yeah, I see you. Uh, I see you. I'm like, yeah, you're here too. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, there's none of that when you're doing virtual. Like, there's there's not even I see you. So um, I think now it's important, actually, for organisations, if you're, you're going to be now working from home, to be intentional about, you know, building communities online, allowing them to network, and, you know, creating forums in which people can meet each other um, is, is very important. You know, there was something on Glassdoor that said that, you know, two-thirds of job hunters um, indicate that diversity was important to them when evaluating companies um, and job offers. So it's hugely important now. Um, and I think, you know, companies shouldn't drop the ball on this or, you know, they'll, 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 they'll fall be behind other companies. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? I recently did an event actually with NatWest Group and this was a graduate event and it was you know, helping graduates to prepare for the interview process, for understanding different roles within banking. And it was so interesting to me because, you know, these young people that were joining, you know, these graduates or university students, it is going to be so different for them to, mm -hmm. you know, they're doing their interviews remotely. They're having to, you know, literally log into a Zoom, maybe from their kitchen table to apply for these jobs. And then even if they, uh, you know, hopefully if they're successful and they get a job, they're then probably going to join a workforce from their kitchen table from a laptop yeah. and so there's all these things which I'm wondering around how do people you know start to build that network because you know again you talk in the book about how important network is and I really think that the opportunity for just you know chance conversations or the coffee machine or going for a run mm. with someone at lunch who's in the office who's into running then yes. you know yeah I work in a startup and you know there's a run club and if you if you're whatever you know part of the business you're working in if you go on the tuesday run club you're probably going to chat to whoever you want you know you might be chatting nice. to a, an engineer you might be chatting to the ceo you might be chatting to uh, mm -hmm. someone who works in marketing or finance and so there's this real opportunity for learning and for just if you're inquisitive that environment you can just be a sponge and soak it up so that's what yes. you know for graduates and, and young people and junior people i really i don't know how they're going to get that just through yeah these virtual meetings it's really a challenge i think yeah 100 i love the idea of the tuesday run club um i might introduce that as well actually um but yeah those I know another company that have um, something really cool as well, kind of similar to that. But what they do, they they have an open door policy. So this um, all the senior leaders they have an open door policy at their company one day a month, 
And what that does is that, you know, anyone, any level can walk into someone as kind of senior role and just go and talk to them. Um, and it just breaks down that barrier of, you know, top level people not speaking with junior people. Um, and again, just, you know, having those conversations, which, you know, I guess you can only do when you're, you know, in the office as well. Yeah, I think there is something in it because as much as I'm someone who, you know, as a entrepreneur or as somebody who's done a lot of things, I guess, solo, I'm used to working at home. I'm used to working by myself. But yeah, working in a startup for four years and seeing those things like the run club or like you said, different, whether it's founder focus sessions where people can ask anonymous questions. Like I have learned so much, so much. Honestly, it's invaluable what I've learned working there. And again, I'd, I'd like to come back to this network thing because you know, we both, I think, have, have have created networks. We're both part of networks. We're both probably quite extroverted people who like to talk. I like to be in the room. So, yeah, what would your yeah. advice be for, for young people right now? If that is not an option, if they're like, okay, there's no run club, there's no, you know, I am literally, everything's virtual. How can they start to build connections in a meaningful way? Yeah, sure. Well, I think certainly now there's so many opportunities to network online. For example, you know, there, there's, there's LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn's a fantastic way to, to network with people. You know, if there's a senior leader who, if you're not in the office, you can add them and drop them a line um, and ask them, you know, can you spare a few minutes, 30 minutes to catch up on me? I've just started my journey. Sometimes it works. Sometimes these people are bombarded with loads of messages and they may not get back to you, but that's another option. Um, you know, there's, you know, different groups as well um, within your organization. There could be like things like black employee resource groups, mm-hmm. which um, are great for you to join um, to, again, build your network. Um, and, you know, and it just not just black employee, um, employee resource groups, but there's groups for like women, there, um, there's like LGBT, like there's loads of different groups that you could join to feel part of a network. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think, those but just you know having those genuine conversations as well um we talk a lot about kind of mentorship coaches and sponsors and sometimes you know a lot of people are going to the same people for mentorship but actually there's so many books available as well that you can learn from um you know this book um essentially we want it to almost be like a mentor like a mentor to you know black professionals, entrepreneurs and allies, because we've spoken to 40 people and the advice is just kind of insane in what they've like, what they can teach you. Um, so there's books, there's, you know, following thought leaders in, in your industry. There's, there's so many opportunities to, to network um, digitally nowadays mm-hmm. that um, even if you're not kind of in a social setting, because some people don't like networking at events as well. Um, there's an opportunity for you to still make some great connections. Yes, I agree. I think that social media, as much as it gets a bad rep, I think that it's such a powerful tool mm-hmm. if utilized in the right way. When you, you know, things like Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, as you said, if you choose to scroll mm. through, I don't know, Diet Prada and, 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 you know, stuff about Justin Bieber, then that's, that's not maybe, <laughs> maybe the best use of your time. But you're right. If you're following thought leaders within the industry that you want to learn from, mm. I did that a lot uh, on Twitter over the last few years. And it's it, like you said, these people have never met me. They don't know. 
that they are mentoring me, mm. but uh, the reality is it's it's really powerful. So I hope, yeah, people, because I think, yeah, social media just gets seen as this whole time wasting. You're wasting your time if you're scrolling, yeah. but it doesn't have to be if you're doing it in an intentional way. You can really, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you can, you can it's, it's a treasure trove of, of information and, and contacts. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, so I'd love to talk to you, of course, about the Power Hour. This is the Power Hour podcast. And, you know, I really, truly believe that our time is the most valuable thing we have. I think it's the most valuable thing you can give to another person. You know, it's finite, right? We're not getting it back. So I'd really like to, I guess, thank you again for giving us your time and and coming to be on the show. And then to hear from you about what your power hour is. So I know you have children and as much as when I say to people, you know, reclaim the first hour of your day, like take some time, start your day with intention. It sets the tone for what's to come. You know, you're the CEO, you're busy, you're booked. So tell us what time do you wake up and what's the first hour of your day typically like? Wow. So I wake up probably from 6 a.m. till 6.30 most days. That is because my alarm clock is my kids. <laughs> they are literally waking up, jumping on my head, um, pulling me out of bed. Um, so I'm getting up that early. Me and the missus, we're getting the little ones ready for nursery. Um, but before, previous to that, I used to try and like do exercise, kind of relax, read a book. Um, but yeah, most mornings now, it's just kind of getting up, getting the kids ready, getting myself ready. Um, and literally it's just go, go, go. I probably have my power hour now throughout the day. Um, so kind of finding pockets to uh, to have that. So I mentioned that my my running time is important for me. Sometimes I might do a 5k. Sometimes I might do a 10k, which would be like a whole hour or 5k and 30, um, like reading books as well. Um, just, yeah really got got a really kind of cool book that I'm reading now called Never Split the Difference from a former FBI negotiator. Um, yes, so he I teaches know the book you basically well. how, how to Yeah. Um, so it teaches you how to negotiate just in everyday life, which I think is quite fascinating. Um so that's that's what I'm reading now. But yeah, probably my power hours throughout the day in little bursts, um just because of kind of like the kids now. Hmm. Now that's good to hear because a lot of people will say, especially if they've got young children, they're like, I want to do this power hour, Adrienne, but it's not the time or, you know, can I do it? Yeah. At lunchtime or can I do it in the evening? And of course there is value add whenever you can just basically use your time well. And I don't mean, you know, time well spent in terms of it just has to be productive, but time well spent in the sense, as you said, it could be going for that run, reading a book, taking time out to basically make sure you're not just 
yeah go 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 all the time uh but never split the difference mm-hmm. yes fantastic book and also i'd love to i'm gonna send you Raphael, and maybe i can put it in the show notes for everyone else so that it's not just a private thing here but um i'm gonna send you a really great interview with the author of that book by jordan harbinger um and if you like that if you like this kind of topic of negotiation then jordan harbinger is a fantastic uh podcast host and he interviews a lot of people about negotiation and about influence and conversations and he's he's really brilliant so yeah i really enjoyed that book as well and uh always giving lots of recommendations honestly i think i, I recommend a book to somebody every day um, <laughs> either that, either that i've read or, or listened to on audible and it's great to hear that you know i think we're sometimes sold again this idea that the ceo like they wake up at this time and there's all these i'm sure you've seen them before yeah. you know it's like they're on the, you know they meditate and then there's a special green juice and then there's a 10 mile run and then there's you know there's all of these things to prime the mod- mind and prime the body yeah. for success but actually it's so nice that you know your family whilst they're young it's so so important and i feel like after listening to your the book i feel like i know your wife obviously i don't but yeah. i feel like i know her after listening to that it's really fun Fantastic. So thank you for sharing that with us all. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to the show. I'm going to leave links so you can find out more about the UK Black Business Show and also, of course, links to the book, Twice as Hard. But before we sign out, how what's the best way for people to reach out and to connect with you? Because I'm sure you're inundated as well with messages. So what makes it stand out when someone reaches <laughs> out to you? Yeah, sure. I think um, just like a really kind of gripping message, I get guess kind of telling me what you what what's the reason you know you want to kind of connect but I'm you know I'm I'm happy to receive kind of messages of course I can't get back to all of them but yeah definitely happy to receive messages emails as well and you can send to like info at ukblackbusinessshow.co.uk and follow me on my socials at Raphael Sofaluk um but yeah always kind of happy to kind of speak to people and talk to people really really enjoyed this, this session as well AJ. thank you so much Raphael, and thanks everyone for tuning in as always have an awesome week stay safe and we'll be back next week see ya thank you bye Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.